thank you so much for having me here. Uh, you know, just came in from uh, China to be a part of this event because I've always heard great things about it. It's an honor to be here. You know, today the topic was taking an Indian startup global. Now, we're just getting started in that journey. So I feel it is still very early for us to become like a big global giant and so on. So long story that needs to be written in the years to come, whether good or bad. But regardless, I will take the opportunity today to share a few things. One, I'll first introduce by telling a little bit about myself and our company. And then maybe a few stories that I have had access to being a part of uh, this amazing company called Oyo. So, hi, I'm Ritesh, started Oyo Hotels roughly four and a half years back. The mission was very straightforward. How can we create great living spaces for common man in India? In the last four and a half years, we today manage India's largest hotel chain, uh, close to 145,000 leased and franchised keys, which is close to double of all the other branded hotel chains combined. So, not only South Asia's largest hotel chain, the top four hotel chains in China, and uh, increasingly opening over 60,000 franchised or leased keys worldwide, making us the world's fastest growing hotel chain as we speak. We are lucky about the impact we get to create. Every night across the world, at least 200,000 heads are on Oyo Hotels pillows as a place which they trust and it wouldn't have been possible without the support of the Oyopreneurs, Oyo's distributor leadership, and of course the broader startup ecosystem. Because I generally say, I publicly grew up in front of the broader uh, Indian startup ecosystem because people have seen me right from the time I used to be uh, you know, a hungry young teenager uh, to now when I still believe that I'm still young and hungry, not a teenager anymore. Uh, and and uh, you know, hopefully we'll continue building the company in front of all of you with your support and blessings for the years to come. The first story is about growing up and having big dreams. I believe that having the ability to dream big is one of the most important attributes of building a large, impactful company. I had a dream when I was a young kid that I would be able to do something new and unique. As a part of which, you know, initially I wanted to be an airline pilot, but one of, the, one of these days, my eldest sister, who went to an engineering college, came back and said I had gone to the entrepreneurship fest, right? I didn't know what this word was. This was very new to me. So I tried to Google, or you know, not Google, at that time, Oxford Dictionary, searched about the name, and I found out somebody who solves a problem and makes a business along with it. I felt this is fascinating. After that, every time, you know, a lot of time teacher asks that, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? So when the teacher used to ask me, I felt everybody is giving very mundane answers, like, you know, I want to be a pilot, I want to be uh, an engineer, and so on. So I felt I'd be an entrepreneur. Not, like, it was not an intent. It was just trying to be the nicer kid in the class who people would ask, wow, that sounds like a nice word. What does that mean? Right? So that's how it started long back. But that's where the first time I got inspired to say that, well, you know, doing something like this, there's respect because people tell you that, wow, you're doing something different. Of course, reality was starkly different when you really start trying to be an entrepreneur. So post my 10th grade, you know, I grew up in a small town called Raigada in southern half of Odisha, uh, fairly Nexel infested, but I loved being there because, you know, if you haven't seen the world outside of that, you feel like that's the best place to be in, right? Because there's no relative. 
but everyone post 10th grade who scores above 33% goes to a bigger city. So I came to the northern half. We were four kids, all the three elder kids did engineering, business school with financial aid, so family had slightly more money left from the provisional store business they used to run. So they said you can go far uh, into new places. I came to Kota, everybody felt I was going to Kota for engineering preparation. Reality was that is the farthest you can go from Odisha. It takes three days in a train to come from Raigada down to Kota. So my intent was I can now do whatever I really want to do uh, without uh, family interfering with it. <clears throat> so that's the f when I came here, I used to take weekend trains from Kota to Delhi and come and be a part of a lot of these conferences and listen to entrepreneurs. A couple of entrepreneurs I was very inspired by. One was uh, you know, Rahul, Rahul Bhatia at Interglobe, and other was Sidlal at Aishar. Both were building fundamentally amazing consumer products, right? Aishar was, you know, Sidlal was turning around Royal Enfield, it was becoming very successful. Indigo was a fantastic airline business, hard to make money in airlines. They're among the more profitable companies in that segment. But for customers, both of them, the reason why I found them innovative is that I feel there are very few Indian consumer products that you take to any part of the world, and it wouldn't feel out of place. And I felt Royal Enfield and Indigo were companies like those. When I saw entrepreneurs around me, I felt I don't want to surround myself with the other school kids. I want to also be an entrepreneur, or at least learn from these guys. Good thing about Kota is attendance is not too much, not required uh, very highly. So I moved to Delhi, lived in a Barsati here, and worked for most of the people I had seen around myself for a year and a half and would go back to Kota for examinations and score well enough for my family to feel good. So long story short, these dreams led me to one day apply for something that's called the Thiel Fellowship. Peter Thiel, who started PayPal, early investor in Facebook, he gives $100,000 to 20 people across the world, but the condition is you have to stop out of college. The acceptance rates are lower than any other Ivy Leagues. I was the first Asian resident to be a Thiel Fellow. That was a turning period of my life. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I think uh, partly, partly that was luck for me as well. I feel, I feel very lucky because I don't think I would have gotten the US visa uh, given my background of aspiring to be a college dropout from India, but thanks to the US Embassy that they chose to let me go to the US. So I was among the 40 candidates who uh, finally pitched and uh, you know, the first Asian resident to be one. Now, but there were two things I learned in the fellowship program. The first was what was in the contract. The contract's first line said, as Thiel fellows, we never let university interfere with our education, which means that education exists everywhere. University is just one of the ways to get it. So I felt this is fantastic. You get paid not to go to university and you still learn. Uh, on a lighter note, but that was the first thing, right, which I felt very inspired by. But there were, the second thing that I learned was thinking very big. I think generally, you know, my parents always told me that annually your salary should increase and your cost of living should be flattish. That's sort of the life that you should absolutely aim for. And the first time I was there in the Bay Area, I saw people saying that, you know, there's this guy who has a company which has just like 20 customers, and he says, I want to be the biggest in the world doing this. So I felt the scale of ambition is just dramatically different. And the second thing I learned is being innovative is absolutely okay. Which meant that in India, a lot of venture firms I would meet would always ask me this thing of saying that, what is your GC? 
not general counsel, global comparison. So they could tell their LPs and other partners in the US saying that we are investing in this company, which is an emulator of this company in the US. But there in the Bay Area, I didn't see any of the other entrepreneurs saying that, hey, I'm emulating this from Russia. Everybody was building their own new thing, solving a problem. So these are two amazing things I learned back there. But of course, the heart was always in solving problems back in India. So I came back in 2014. But these are two big things, thinking really big and being innovative. Two of the things that help us a lot, where we have the ambition of making a global impact, and we've had the ambition of doing something completely new, which is in the hotel business. <clears throat> Worldwide, there is no hotel chain in the less than 100 room segment, and there is 90% hotel assets worldwide, which are less than 100 rooms. So it's a big opportunity, which somebody should go and solve for. The second story, uh, and this story is very close to my heart, <clears throat> which is opportunities are everywhere. The question is, are you out there to catch hold of them? The first opportunity is building Oyo hotels. Before I started Oyo, I first started Oravel, which was more like Airbnb of India. It didn't work. But a lot of the homeowners had become friends. So for three months, 100 days, every day, three and a half months, every day I stayed in a new home. And it was just basically between school and university as a you know, holiday uh, practically back then. Now I can, of course, in retrospect, say learning trip. But at that point of time, I saw there is this big opportunity of small hotels, which people could franchise and lease, and use technology to operate very efficiently. When I saw this opportunity, it looked big, right? Because world's 90% hotels, it's a huge opportunity. That's when I thought of two reasons why this could not have, two things that would have happened. Either many people had seen this opportunity and tried it and failed because structurally this business cannot be successful. That's one option. The second one is that nobody's tried at all. As an entrepreneur, you're wired to be an optimist. If, if there is 5% chance, you'll still take it. Because, you know, and for me personally, I had very little to lose because I felt that if this does not happen, I'd anyway go back to university. So that got me started. So, you know, this was an opportunity that existed always. Everybody, all of us had seen that there's a good quality, affordable hotel chain that's needed. It was just somebody who could have taken that opportunity and gone out and executed. The second thing that I saw opportunities exist everywhere is that eventually, after that, in 2016 is what I call as the re-evolution of Oyo. I have genuinely believed, you know, and I'm careful about what I wish for, but I love the depression periods. I believe when the times are low is when great companies get built. So 2016, I remember LinkedIn stock was significantly down, capital investments were drying up, you know, a lot of wrong things were happening around ourselves. There is a documentary I have watched a lot of times. If any of you get time, you should definitely watch, which is called The Men Who Built America. It shows how America was civil wars driven, Europe was the most successful part of the world, and then how entrepreneurs like Vanderbilt, Henry Ford, etc., built America into what it is today, just because they had an ambition to make a difference. So I felt if you know, these guys could build such a you know, great country in the middle of all uh, of the pain. Uh, and if you see some of the most successful countries that have gone through that, Japan has gone through that, China has gone through that, India has of course gone through that. I believe that bad periods is when we should double down our investments. So 2016, we evolved our strategy from saying that instead of just aggregating assets, we will do full scale leasing and franchising of assets. 
and the results were amazing. Customer repeats rapidly increased. Our asset owners continued to fall in love because the yields were higher than ever before, which just told us that full stack is the only way this business will be super, super successful. That was an opportunity that we saw. A lot of entrepreneurs would have said, let me do it on the site. Whereas we said, if this is what makes our customers and asset owners happy, then this is the only thing we will do. So we shut down our aggregating business, and earlier last year, or mid last year, we announced almost majority of our assets had changed into full assets, exclusive, franchised, or leased assets. In this process, what I've learned is when you see these opportunities, and you see that light in your eyes saying that now I'm going to do this. You know, I, I read somewhere uh, that you know, when you're uh, you know, in the shower and you can't stop thinking about the idea, that's what you should be doing. I think when you have that idea, when you see that working at small scale, being able to ramp it up and impact it at very significant number of people is something that's also very valuable in my learning. I would like to share three stories. The first one is one of our shareholders is Lightspeed. It's a you know, early stage venture firm led by Bejul and Dave in India. So Bejul hosts me for lunch every month, last four years, four, three and a half years. And the reason I love his lunch is because our office is close to a Haldiram, and that's the only food we used to have. Whereas his office is in a five-star hotel, so I would always go there for the new pizzas, for the great pizzas and pastas. Uh, he would dislike me saying that I go there more for the food than to learn from him, but uh, that's, that's probably close to true. But then, one of these discussions, I have great pasta, and at the end, you know, uh, Bejul tells, so Ritesh, I hear that you've been picking up all the phone calls. I said, yes. As an entrepreneur, I love doing stuff myself, right? So I used to take up all the phone calls, do all the accounting, and so on. So Bejul said, that's great. We have now found the head of call center for OYO. Let's now hire the CEO. And I said, Bejul, I get it. I get it that we should be recruiting a strong group of leaders. For the first year, then we recruited some of the smartest people and most committed people who came together. We brought in Abhinav, who's our CEO, ran one of the largest factories for ITC in India, went to HPS, was principal at BCG. We brought in Maninder, uh, you know, some of you from the entrepreneurial ecosystem would know him. Uh, I've known him, of course, uh, for long. And if you look at our broader leadership in the history of our company, not a single CXO has ever left. Of the 11 CXOs we have, we only keep adding and majority of them have been there for 80% period or more of the company's existence. So building, remembering that you're always an average of the 10 people around you and bringing people who can genuinely be partners is something I've learned being very, very valuable because I wasn't a hotelier, I wasn't a finance guy, so I wouldn't know any of these things very well. But the one thing I knew is how do you find great partners? Of course, albeit after making a ton of mistakes. <clears throat> The second learning that I had is it's also extremely important that perseverance with discipline. There is light at the end of the tunnel, but remember it is at the end of the tunnel, not in the beginning of the tunnel. So you need to uh, walk all the way to the other side of the tunnel to get there. So discipline with perseverance. Because a lot of times I've seen smart people, when they find something is working well, the first thing they try to do is do something else. And you'd see in your companies as well. Whenever something is working, the next question is, or kya karna hai? Doing the same thing every day is also very valuable because that is how you create scale and impact. So this is one of the things in our company we say a lot, saying that you know, when we found something, we should keep innovating, 
but doing the same thing every day should be 80% of our jobs because that is when we can impact the lives of so many people. And the third one is my favorite, striving for excellence. I think none of us are excellent, we all understand that. That's what I believed and our company has believed all throughout that we will make mistakes, there is so much for us to learn. But always striving for the best because until you strive for the best, you will never be very successful. One example of that is, for example, our housekeeping app. Housekeeping guys worldwide are paid eight hours certain salary all throughout the year. That does not incentivize the top 20% housekeeping boys to work hard. At Oyo Hotels, now in maybe 30% of our hotels, every housekeeping boy gets a mobile app in which he gets the room number that he should go and clean. That removes the need of having a floor manager. And the floor manager is not the smartest mathematician to figure out which room to go and clean. So anyway, that cost gets saved and it becomes more efficient. But second, the guy who cleans the room now gets a credit for cleaning the room faster and if he gets a five-star rating from the customer, that credit gets converted into cash. <coughs> Thank you, the real applause worthy stuff is now. Because of this, all of these housekeeping boys have now started becoming innovative, saying, cleaning karna shuru karne se jaldi room clean hota hai. What are the new chemicals that can help you clean a room faster? They would go and find out from the market and bring ideas. <coughs> we set up 25 OYO skill institutes. And along with that, today we have to also hire 20% lesser people per hotel, but each one of them earning more than what they used to earn earlier. <coughs> so from our perspective, these are examples of excellence being very valuable in the long term, because if we are not excellent, somebody else will be. I'm very inspired by uh, the three idiots dialogue of uh, Baba Ranchordas, who says that, beta excellence ke piche bhago, grades ke piche nahi. Agar excellence ke piche bhago ge, to grades apne aap hi aegi. So, uh, very, uh, you know, I saw that movie as a high school kid, so remember that very well. I want to just end by, uh, you know, two things. One is I believe as we have grown uh, globally, what I have learned is consistent focus on quality living spaces is the most valuable thing as you build an organization grounds up. My job in OYO is what I call is a chief clarity officer. My job is to say what not to do. So anyone comes up with a new idea, I say our principles are we do quality living spaces with an equilibrium of location, quality, and price. Do you feel with intellectual honesty that this fits in with the bill? And if the person says no, then we say absolutely not doing it. Because the same principle that we just talked about, that if there is something that's working, just keep doing that for a large number of people. And last but not the least, I believe we are very early in our progression. But the one thing I believe has been the most valuable in growing OYO into seven countries from United Kingdom to Indonesia, where everyone from Oyo Townhouse Sussex Gardens to Oyo Sarkavi residents see an increase in occupancy from 30% to 80-90% is because a great group of entrepreneurs who have come and joined us. Jeremy in UK ran his company called Coco Di Mama and sold it for hundreds of millions of pounds. Uh, the person in uh, Indonesia set up multiple companies uh, uh, for global brands. The person in Dubai was among the top five people in Souk.com. So all of these are people who are entrepreneurial and have the same hunger and energy 
that all of us have. So if you keep doing that, I believe eventually we will build large impactful companies. But I will end again by saying that we have just gotten started. Amazon says it's day one for them. We say at OYO that it's day zero for us. And from day zero to potentially being the world's largest hotel chain, we will continue having the same focus of quality living spaces that we've always had. Thank you so much. Ritesh, many thanks. But before I let you go, before we let him go, just I'm very curious to know that, you know, what does a 25-year-old do with the billion dollars he has? Well, I don't have a billion dollars. Our company has. Uh, by the way, correction, I'm going to be 25 in 15 days from now. All right. <laughs> Happy birthday in advance. <laughs> in advance. So, but that said, you know, look, I think, uh, you know, this is a big opportunity, big mission. And we've always invested our capital behind competencies. So we set up 25 skill institutes where we've created close to 160,000 jobs, 100,000 for young Indians, 60,000 for young Chinese. Uh, we've set up R&D centers where we set up uh, renovation uh, institutes. So our belief is in a lot of these competency building. We will, of course, need more capital to deploy and invest behind. So we'll continue doing that uh, for the years to come. But for now, as you know, we had raised $250 million two years back. Yes, congratulations. We had $200 million of that capital we had raised two years back, still on the balance sheet when we raised this round. So it's probably just keep getting add up. Maybe we don't get to spend it ever. All right. So is OYO set to enter Japan? Is it, it is the largest uh, home market for your uh, investor, SoftBank. Are you uh, getting ready to tap into the 2020 Olympics uh, game demands? So, you know, look, I think first off, SoftBank is an incredible partner to us, and they've done so well in Japan. I think Japan has, you know, first, we are very excited about Japan, regardless of, you know, uh, hard for me to say whether we are launching there or not. But I think what I can share is Japan has two to three fantastic uh, uh, opportunities. The first one is for our hotels business. Japan is the world's fastest growing inbound market. Next year is the Rugby World Cup, and then coming up is the Olympics. Right. So two of the biggest events are going to happen there. And at the same time, no real estate available. Right. So I believe perfect opportunity for us. But if we do it or not and when is something we'll We should we'll be let the you know. first one to know. All right, Ritesh Agarwal, many thanks for Thank joining. Thank you, everyone. Before we let you go, kindly accept our token of appreciation from our Young Turks and gift partners, Ramilano and Custer. Really Ladies and gentlemen, a huge round of applause for Ritesh Agarwal. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.